So now on to the reason that we are here, which is to hear uh, from the commissioners of VOD. With the ever-growing world of VOD, we are going to explore the hunger for original content over acquisitions, and we'll ask the question, can original content deliver the variety of programming required for today's audience? Um, kicking things off, I'm going to chat with Ellen Solberg, who is the content lead at Hopster. So I think Ellen has some clips from Hopster to kick things off. Play Alphabet Hotel. Mog the forgetful cat. She found a nice, warm, soft place. Dinosaurs, dinosaurs, a round of applause for the dinosaurs. So to start things off, why don't you tell us a bit about you and your role at Hopster? Yeah, sure. So I look after the content at Hopster, and so mainly this is acquisition of content, but it's also the production of original shows. Um, so I make sure that the content is on brand and that it fits into our curriculum, which was designed by educational consultants and pulls in curriculums from around the world. Um, so what's new with Hopster at the moment? Um, well, there's always lots going on. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> there's always lots going on at Hopster. Um, but some of the main stuff is that we've uh, we've signed some new deals with telecos, and so Hopster is now available on Jibtel and also on TalkTalk, Talk, which I believe is launching today or this week sometime. Um, we're also dubbing into Romanian, which is exciting. Um, we are working on uh, some original content, uh, working on three new shows this year also um, releasing books into our global app, because right now they're just in the UK. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Before we get into some of your original productions that you guys have just been doing some announcements for, um, let's look a little bit at your acquisitions. Are there any acquisitions that have worked particularly well, and why do you think that is? So most of our content is acquired content since we're very new to um, producing our own stuff. And a lot of it, a lot of it does really well. There's um, the content that you would expect to do well, like the, <clears throat> the bigger names like Ben and Holly and Super Y and um, Fireman Sam. And I think these do so well because they are great shows, but it also helps that um, parents recognize the brands and can help steer their kids towards them, or help their kids discover them. Um, we also have a bunch of shows that are not as recognized, um, and that you probably wouldn't expect to do as well, but that are, have great viewing figures on Hopster. Um, this um, is often shorter form content with varied lengths and can be um, in, independent production content, um, and also shows from YouTube. Um, but they, they do great on Hopster, and, and music as well is a big one. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you have some new original productions. The Saturday Club was a new one that just mm -hmm. came out a couple weeks ago. So looking at original content, are there uh, 
sorry, what do original content uh, bring to Hopster, this new program that you have? Mm, um, so yeah, it's still, it's still quite a new thing for us. Um, we've only produced three shows so far uh, last year, and then we're working on three new this year. Um, but we're, I already think it's a great direction to go in. It, um, it gives us the opportunity to focus on content that we're struggling to find for the app and filling some of the areas in our curriculum where we don't have that much content. Uh, and so, for example, we've got one uh, channel called Hopster Jam, which is a collection of songs. And so, and each song is of a different topic. And so here we've got one song about healthy eating and another one encouraging kids to flush the toilet. And um, uh, there's one about a morning routine. Um, and then we're working on a show right now, which is called Saturday Club, and uh, which um, teaches kids to empathize and to put themselves into other people's shoes. Um, and like we've struggled to find good content covering some of those topics, and so it's really nice to be able to create that content ourselves. Okay. As you said, you have a lot of new stuff, but uh, looking to the future, where do you see acquisitions and original programs going for Hopster in the future? So we're working on three shows right now. We've got um, Saturday Club uh, that I mentioned. Uh, we've also got a second season of Two Minute Tales, which we produced last year and has done really well for us on, um, on Hopster. And so, yeah, we're making 10 more episodes of that. Um, and we've got another music show, which is just about being bored and that that's okay and that you can come up with things, you can be creative, you don't need, you don't necessarily need phones or, yeah. Um, and they're really funny. Um, but sort of for the next couple of years, we're probably gonna continue to look at smaller productions. We have, we still have a smaller budget, um, uh, but, Compared to last year, we've had a slightly bigger budget, so <laughs> so it's hopefully moving in that direction. And on uh, acquisitions, we're going to continue to look for shows. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So then, what do you have planned for 2019, 2020? Um, so we've got um, we try to refresh the app with at least two bits of content each month. Uh, we've got a few different types of content. So we've got um, our shows and music and then books and games as well. But what that looks like in terms of shows and music and acquisitions is probably about 15, 15-ish shows. Um, and on the original content side, uh, we're probably gonna do another three or four next year, like projects, um, and hopefully a little bit more the year after that. Okay. Now to fill those gaps, what types of uh, programs are you looking for? Um, so the, what we're struggling to find in, for our curriculum are, are things like body and mind, healthy body and mind, and so being active and healthy eating, uh, also um, understanding emotions and mental health. Uh, there's also uh, safety and the environment. Um, I'd love to find a good show about taking care of the planet. Um, finance, actually, like teaching kids what that is and what the concept of money. Um, and uh, yeah, just more content on diversity. Yeah. 
Okay. Now, if someone has an idea that kind of fits in this of what you're looking for or wants to pitch something to you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? So they can email content at hopster.tv and that will come to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, and from there, we're going to move on to Luca Fiore now, who is the head of content for Azumi. Before we ask him some questions, we'll be looking at some clips from Azumi. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Azumi. So, <clears throat> show of hands, how many people like to play video games? How many people like to watch kids' shows? That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's pretty much what I do most days, but <clears throat> joking aside, I pretty much uh, look after the acquisitions of mostly video, uh, the general operations and curation of all the content, and um, I support production whenever we have commissions that we put out there. So then what's happening? What's new with Azumi? Yeah, so probably the most exciting thing at the moment is that we, we just signed a partnership um, with Tomorrow Street, which is Vodafone's accelerator program. Um, so that's trying to get us into new territories worldwide. They have a network of, of about 70 territories and subsidiaries um, around the globe. So you know, we're very excited about that as we try to roll out our product you know, all over the place. OK. Yeah. Um, in terms of content, let's talk a little bit about acquisitions first. So are there any acquisitions that have worked uh, particularly well for you, and why do you think that is? So the interesting thing about us sort of, well, actually, like all the products up here, is we are a mixed-media product. And when we started out, we were very, we were very video heavy. Um, as we've evolved, it's actually games have done really, really well for us and have sort of taken over a part of the product that we didn't expect. Um, as a result, we're trying to improve the game's experience in the service, but also the product around that. So video is still a big part of what we do because of the partnerships we have with telcos and other, and other providers. But the interesting thing is games um, have probably surpassed video in that respect as far as getting content. So, I mean, we mostly acquire content, but um, as far as originals on the video side, the ones that we have commissioned, like Search It Up and Marvelous Makes, um, have done really well. Um, they're both short form, um, both one is kind of animated, one's a mix. Um, Search Up did really well because it, it sort of hit our values as far as we wanted content that we thought would support digital literacy and teaching kids about online safety because we thought there was a gap in the market there and that's been one of our most watched shows on the service. Um, Marvelous Makes, which is more arts and crafts and kind of immerses kids in a creative world, 
has also been super popular um, as a short form piece up until now. So when we do when we do look at video commissions, it tends to be short form. Um, game side, again, mostly acquisition, but we are looking to commission the production of, of original games because um, we have about a slate of 10 and those have been with our own branded characters and they just, you know, we can kind of dictate the quality there and the sort of experience we want. Okay, so that's what you're working on right now, but uh, looking into the future, where do you see Azumi heading with um, acquisitions and original programs? Yeah, so we want to, I mean, as far as acquisitions, we're going to continue to acquire content that fits what we're about, fits our values, um, you know, and is, is obviously doable and within our budget, like everybody else. Um, but on the acquisition side, I'd say, you know, we're looking at games that that are a bit higher quality than the usual HTML5 content that's out there. Um, and also, also offers a multi-layered experience, um, which is harder to find. On the video side, we have about, we have a slate of, of concepts and productions that we're interested in getting off the ground, but the main thing for us is we need to find the right partnerships and financing to do that. Um, so for 2019, 2020, what are your planned hours then? We would love to, if possible, bring out two to three new shows, two, two to three new original um, shows of our own, and possibly 10 to 20 um, commission games. And as far as acquisitions, it's currently what we're on is probably about three to 400 new hours um, this year. Okay, it's a lot of things that you'll be looking for. So what type of programming to fit those things are you looking for? I think the main thing is engagement for us. So. As much as we like to have a nice mix of content that will please parents and kids, um, engagement's number one. So it needs to be fun. Um, we would love for it to have some contemporary learning value, but we don't want it to be overly didactic. We don't want it to be judgmental. It has to sort of fit you know, what the values of the product and also of, of what our audience and what our users are expecting. So it's, I'm not getting into a lot of detail there necessarily, <laughs> but. The truth is that I look at everything, and if we think it's a good fit and sort of aligns or you know crossfits all of the the things we're looking for as far as creativity and and kind of getting into contemporary learning, then then we'll go for it. So if someone thinks they have the perfect thing for Azumi, where should they contact you? Um, Luca Fiore at azumi.com. I would give out my cell number right now, but it's, <laughs> it's a bit. I need to get to know you guys first. <laughs> But yeah, anytime. I mean, doors always open. Come in for a meeting. We're based in Old Street, and I'm always open for a chat. So. Okay. Very good. Uh, so we're going to move on now to Lucy Murphy, who's the head of content for Sky. Um. Yes. Hi, everyone. Um. So I look after the kids' content at Sky in the UK and Ireland. Um. Half of my role is in looking after the kind of editorial relationship with the um, live channels that we carry. Um, and obviously that is then balanced with the um, VOD catalogue that we have, um, which includes catch-up and box sets from those partner channels, as well as acquisitions and commissions that we make separately from those channel relationships. All right. So what's happening right now with Sky Kids? Um, well, this week, <laughs> um, we've um, launched the Kids app on mobile, which is great. We've wanted to do that for a long time. We launched our Kids app on tablets um, 
in April 16. It's been really successful. And we worked a lot on that last year in terms of adding the games and interactivity. So we, as well as games, we added quizzes. We've added the art studio. We've um, um, also added sort of um, creative challenges that go out each week. Um, and getting that now um, launched this week on mobile is great. So right now it goes um, on iOS and Android um, for video only on mobile at the moment, but games will be added later this year. Okay. Now, with your new content, is there a, a type of acquisition that works particularly well for SkyKid? Well, I always have to look at it in the context of the um, fantastic range of entertainment that we get from our partner channels. So if I'm looking at something, it's basically to make sure that we're complementing what we're getting from those partner channels and not, um, you know, not duplicating it, really. Um, so there are different types of acquisition we'll make. So if you look at something like um, Alvin and the Chipmunks, that was a really popular show on um, Nickelodeon, which we then wanted more episodes available. So we bought box sets of that. Um, sometimes we look for acquisitions that are in a genre or a format um, that we don't get already. So we bought short form. Um, we've had a great package of content from DreamWorks TV, um, which includes things like um, I Heart DIY and I Prank My Parents, so little short funny clips, um, which again, we don't get from partner channels. Um, and then we'll look for the really, you know, the best entertainment um, properties. Uh, so we've got a great package with Lego, for example, which, you know, a brand that parents love as much as kids do. And then you were talking about filling out things that you don't get from your partners. What about original programs? What do those bring to Sky Kids? Um, it brings something really um, original and fresh. Um, we have we started quite small when we started commissioning originals but we're ramping that up this year we'll be producing um sort of double what we did last year and we expect that to carry on in terms of the types of production that we're making um in terms of being both longer format and also more of them so whereas the cadence of originals launching last year was every quarter this year it will be um every couple of months and next year, that will inc increase again. So then where is uh, Sky Kids heading in terms of acquisitions and originals for what type of programs are they going to be? Um, they're going to be, and actually I brought this, which I, I did the International Exchange. I don't know how many people out here did that yesterday. It was a great, um, tiring <laughs> <laughs> event, meeting lots of people. And somebody pitched using these cards. and. I thought I would show you because actually it was such a great way of pitching. Um, this company from uh, Australia called Pillow Fort, who I hadn't come across before. And they um, literally pitched five shows on um, little cards like this. So it was very quick and easy to go through them. But what was really interesting is you sort of automatically um, lay them out in front of you. And it's very much like a UI, <laughs> basically. Um, and when I'm looking at acquisitions, I'm looking for, you know, the, the decision-making process is very layered. And the first and most obvious one is, does it look as if it could be on any of our partner channels? So this one immediately was, well, you know, that looks so Cartoon Network, so it's fantastic, but no. <laughs> um, then you think, 
you know, d does it stand out? Is it distinctive? Given that there are so many um, shows that any acquisitions or commissions have to compete with, so another couple go. Um, and then you look at things that you think, are they really original? Are they really distinctive? Are they visually going ki to get kids thinking, oh, I don't know what that is, but I really, really, really want to watch it. And that decision-making is, uh, as I say, is very layered. But I think in terms of acquisitions for us have to keep, you know, they're keeping very good company. We have really top shows, as you could see from the sizzle reel. Um, so there's a lot of competition. Um, and they need to be visually distinctive. They need to look great um, in the UI, but they also, when you watch them, need to offer something that you know is very premium, is very um, high quality. Um, things that work well for us are, you know, have to be um, those two things. Um, if it's shorts, then funny is always good. <laughs> um, and we've had some great success with shows like Angry Birds, which obviously are very well known, but then obviously less well known, a show we launched last year called Sunny Bunnies, which um, was very unknown, but because the visuals were so beautiful and it looked so appealing, it's done incredibly well for us. Yeah, it's a very cute little show. It is. Like a, hopping around. Yeah. <laughs> causing chaos. Um, yeah, so any indication you can give uh, to people of how many hours of programming you're looking to pick up or commission and uh, what your planned hours are for 2019, 2020? Um, tend not to think in terms of hours. Okay. As um, Looking at the range of audience that we serve, where we go from, you know, we carry baby TV, which really starts from six months old, um, right up to 12 years old. So we tend to look at each segment of that very wide audience separately and think, well, you know, we've got great preschool provision. So um, last year we focused a lot on the four to seven-year-olds and we really bolstered that as a um, segment. Now we're looking um, at eight to 12. So we're particularly looking for um, good live action, good storytelling, good drama. Um, music is always going to be very popular. We're looking for kind of crafty, makey-do shows um, and the shorts, and music videos are very, you know, always going to be open to looking at those. Okay. Uh, now, if someone thinks that they have the perfect show to fit in there, uh, how should they contact you? Um, they have to... Um, we do have a submissions process. Everything gets put into um, that submissions process. Um, we look at it as an editorial team, so and that editorial team includes um, myself plus um, the on-demand planning team and the schedulers so that we can look at things in the context of balancing out what our service is offering. Um, and it does take time. We're a small team, but and we have a huge number, hundreds of submissions every year. So it does take longer than I would like, having been in the position of pitching to a broadcaster. Um, it's always excruciating when you have to wait, but that's the way it is. Um, a short pitch like this is fantastic. We don't need necessarily to see pilots and scripts and story outlines. And I think that's something that's changed over the last few years. You can make quite quick decisions about whether or not you want to go on to the next level of discussions um, pretty quickly um, based on the concept, the visuals, and the talent behind the idea. I think that's always something that's 
overlooked, but you know, having a great idea is no good if you can't demonstrate that you can then deliver it. Um, and yes, lucy.murphy at sky.uk is the email address to find me. Okay. <laughs> um, and then we're going to talk to Sarah Aspinall, who is the music and kids editor at Virgin Media. Uh, I don't think you have any clips, so we'll nope. dive right into it. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and your role at Virgin. Uh, I don't know what she does, but for Virgin. <laughs> um, save a little bit of time there. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's pretty much exactly the same. It's a channel management relationship, which is a big part of, of what I do on a day-to-day. -day. Um, acquisitions, marketing, strategy, uh, kids app, games, technology, and generally any other project, random project that comes from my bosses uh, <laughs> and it's anything to do with kids. So, yeah, pretty much everything and everything from uh, a kid's perspective. Um, so, yeah, that's me. So what's happening right now with Virgin Media on the kids' side? So much. Um, there is lots going on. I'm absolutely gutted to say that there's, there was a hoping to make a few announcements this, today, but uh, you know, the world being the world, contracts and everything else is not allowing me to. But there's a lot of exciting things coming away from acquisitions um, through to tech, through to advancements, etc. So there's lots going on. Um, you know, in the next week, two weeks, months, years, etc., going on. So it's quite exciting. Um, and moving forward, which is also really exciting, having you know been in the, the the industry for as long as I have, it's nice to see the energy coming from because I come from a broadcaster as well. So having a platform, being on the platform side, it's nice to see that the platforms are actually starting to get behind with kids, with obviously mm -hmm. Lucy at Sky, myself at Virgin. It's uh, it's an interesting from um, from all sides as to what's going on. So then, for Virgin, is there a particular type uh, of acquisition that works well for you guys? Um, I'm going to begin. Going last is, is kind of easy. Um, I'm going to mimic everything that pretty much everyone's been saying. Um, essentially, you know, again, we have the deals with the broadcasters, so that absolutely your Peppa Pig, your Paw Patrols, your obvious hits, you know, do do really well for us, and there's no doubt about that. And you don't have to see Barb or any of our data to to know that that does well for us. Um, but at the same time, again, what really does surprise me coming from a broadcaster and also other, other uh, platforms is those independent pieces, um, the YouTube content, the, uh, the, the content that has been sold all around the world but never made it to a broadcaster in the UK, those shows that we give space and energy to and we put the full force of our marketing or editorialization or whatever techniques that we have, when we put that behind it, you can actually see a show that most probably cost a fraction of the price of a Peppa Pig um, do very well. So it is quite surprising what does actually work um, when you know you put it in front. And I think that's the advantage uh, that you know, Virgin, a platform like Virgin, does have in Azumi and Hopster and Sky is that we, ha we are kids focused. We have our areas and we are actually able to push the content that we feel uh, does and react to, to uh, data and priorities. Okay. Uh, so looking at the future, where do you see acquisitions and original programming going for Sky? Oh, not Sky, Virgin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to make predictions for Sky, well. yeah, I can do that. <laughs> you spend my budget, I'll spend yours. Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, for, for us, I mean, last year we announced that we're looking into uh, potentially doing commissions is definitely still very much going to be happening for us. We're looking at very different opp uh, opportunities. 
Um, I will say we, you know, we're trying to, you know, we don't have a Netflix budget, and I think I was quoted on saying something similar last year. Um, but we don't have that kind of budget. But what we do have is a platform and opportunities um, to evolve that. So that we're still in the the, the midst of, and we hope that, that progress. And you know, bolstering again, not into what Lucy said is, you know, Alvin does well. You go and you you supply, but then also looking for those gaps that are not quite filled yet. Okay. In terms of uh, 2019, 2020, what is it going to look like? Um, epic. <laughs> <laughs> Based on the amount of work. Um, I think it's going to be a, a, a really interesting change because, you know, we were all starting to traditionally, you know, it was catch-up services for people like us and it was, you know, box sets and broadcast deals. We've moved away from that over the last... Uh, you know, year or so, moving more towards kind of coming in a hybrid, kind of just trying to become that aggregator, making sure the channels are okay, channels are still performing, because if there's no channel, there's no us. Uh, making sure that the technology keeps up to advance with the kids, and that's not an easy thing to do. Um, and really just evolving the content proposition, making sure that we do have the next big thing. I think if anyone was uh, uh, with the uh, a session earlier where Alison from Nickelodeon said that they were pitched, uh, you know, a ballerina, time-traveling ballerina. Uh, you know, that's, that's what the kind of thing that I'm definitely looking for, something different. <laughs> well, it does exist, because that's uh, Find Me in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> well. Time-traveling ballerina, yeah. sold. <laughs> and did really well. Um, so then what types of programming are you looking for? Um, everything. Um, which is which is very broad, I know. Um, but yes, we do cover from the younger age right the way through to most probably about nine to ten uh, is where we focus. Um, we are looking for uh, we're looking for comedy. We're looking for we're looking for drama. We're looking for preschool. We're looking for baby. And I'm looking for the next you know time traveling ballerina. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we're looking for. Everything. Right. And if someone thinks they have the next time traveling ballerina, where should they get in touch with you or how should they? At the McCure later. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, Never seriously. Um, <laughs> no, definitely email sarah.aspinall at virginmedia.co.uk. But, you know, the great thing about the CMC, one of the markets I absolutely love, is because you can walk down the street and you can see someone and just say hi, introduce yourself. And, uh, you know, definitely... You know, it's not just about emailing because emailing is hard. You know, it's hard to keep on top of that inbox. <laughs> but at the same time, it's, these markets are the perfect opportunity to just come and say hi. Okay. Uh, I think we have some time for some questions. So there's two volunteers at the back that should have mics. Does anyone have any questions that they want to ask any of our panelists? I think there's some in the front here. Hi there. Um, um, sorry if I missed this, but when you're uh, looking for new content, um, are you looking for it from independents, or can you know, freelance writers come to you? Are you developing it yourself, or would you rather it come from an independent producer? Is that, is that a question yeah, to all whoever, four of the panelists? Whoever wants to answer. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so um, it can come from loads of places, to be honest. It can come from a production house um, or from a writer. If, it, if someone has a good idea, we're happy to chat about it and find out more. And if it's a fit, then yeah, we'd, yeah, that would work. I would say 
<clears throat> similarly, um, but we do have some ideas of our own that we're trying to develop. So, in that respect, we do start. We do look for studios to kind of help us develop the concept, and then you know if they know writers and everything else that we need to produce that, then they'll go that route. But it can come from anywhere. Yeah. And from our point of view, if you look at the original content that we commission, um, there's three different types really. One is when um, I use the example of Revolution Skills, which we just produced with Snack TV. Um, they were already producing a show called Revolution for Sky One, which was all about boarding and BMX biking and blading. Very exciting, big um, studio show, which we knew that kids would love. Um, and we also knew that it was a professional standard of all of those things. So we commissioned a series of shorts, um, which were um, presented by Jordan and Perry, and it, it showed kids how to get started on skateboarding and BMX biking, etc. Um, so that was something that we dealt with the original company that made the kind of the master show, as it were. Um, the second type would be where we know we want a particular type of program, and then we go out and talk to um, production companies and um, find the right one to make it. So a good example for that would be uh, Dive In and Do It, which we did with um, Will Brenton and Chris Scala at Happy Alchemy. Um, we've got a great, an enormous project at Sky um, called Ocean Rescue, which is about plastics in the ocean. Again, we knew we wanted to commission something very specific for kids that explains in sort of bite-sized episodes what small steps they can make to make changes. So we had the idea, but then we went out to um, a company to help us realize that. And then there are the, um, the ideas we didn't know we wanted until we saw them. <laughs> and those can come from um, very small indies. We've got a show in production at the moment called La Buntina, which is um, a series of short music videos. We found that on Kickstarter. Um, a young um, animated director is the first show she's ever made. Um, so, you know, very small company without a track record, but the most gorgeously beautiful show that we just had to make. Um, and then something like the Aliens Love Underpants Christmas special, which we're making at the moment with Tiger Aspects, that evolved from a smaller commission that we made last year of music videos. It did incredibly well. Um, the audience absolutely loved those music shorts. So when they came back and said, how about a Christmas special um, with Matt Lucas as Father Christmas? It's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, we've got a relationship with that company. But it, it, as you can see, it can come from lots of different... There's no format to it. it um, a good idea is a good idea no matter where it comes from. All I would say is that we would need to be very confident. So with the young director that I talked about, we paired her up with a producer who was very experienced so that we knew that she had the support and the help to get the show delivered. And again, I'm gonna follow suit. Um, <laughs> it's hard being the last. Um, no, I mean, from my perspective, we don't have um, a development team. We don't have any of that kind of stuff within the, the portfolio, but at the same time, I'm gonna ditto again, a good idea is a good idea. And if it's something that, you know, it can come from anywhere and I think that's the most important thing when you can't close doors to anything and if you, you you have an idea and you have a concept then it's a case if it's something that we're interested in then we'll work together to figure out how that we can make that move to the next step so definitely it's easier in some of the other avenues which I'm sure we'll all agree you know but sometimes you know it, it can be 
it can be direct from a, a writer, creator, whoever it might be. And it can be from a random conversation here. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> that is why these events are so good, exactly, right? Yeah. Because we meet new people and, you know, it's great this year to see so many international people here. Um, I've met studios from Australia and Canada that I haven't met before. Um, and those, I think the partnerships you build and the relationships are very important, um, so network away. <laughs> Does anyone else have a question? In the front? Just I want to talk about financing. How much are you fully financing and how much is partnership financed? Everybody. Everybody. You go first this time. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> well, as soon as we haven't done anything just yet, um, there's no format. So. Again, and I'm sorry for being flaky about it, it really does depend on the project. I mean, I'm definitely very much in that era of having to prove that spending money can actually make our customers happy, which at the end of the day is what my job is, is to make our customers happy and stay. So if there is an amazing project that we feel that we can monetize off the back of, then, then we could potentially fully finance. Then at the same time, we have strong relationships with broadcasters and maybe there's an avenue that we can work together with broadcasters to, to help each other. Maybe it's a case that we can put that extra few pennies in depending on what rights are being uh, sought. So again, no straight answer and very flaky, but it really does depend on the project, on the situation, and it's all about the conversation. I'm going to do it this time, what she said. <laughs> <laughs> it totally depends. Um, the more money we put in, the more we would expect back in terms of shared revenues. Um, but, you know, things that we've done have ranged from fully financed right up to um, putting in the last 5 or 10% gap financing. So it really depends on what the situation is of the project when it first gets to us and what the producer or distributor is looking for um, and the what potential we see for it growing and expanding. And actually, you know, if I look at some of the, you know, the little music shorts that we've made, we did fully finance those because they wouldn't have got the rest of the financing otherwise. And because they were short, it wasn't a, you know, multi-million budget. So um, every flavor basically of deal. <clears throat> I'd say for us, while we do have some budget for commissions, it really does come down to small projects. So, you know, you can kind of figure out what those budgets might be like, but as far as, as financing, we we try to support, if it's a project that we really want, we try to support as much as we can and then look for financing in as many possible places as we can. It could be grant funding, it could be, you know, it could be co-production partners, et cetera. Um, and if we can get support with that, obviously it helps too. We try to use all of our network and our channels to look for that extra financing, but if someone can actually come to us and say, you know, not only do I have this great idea, but I have somebody else that's interested and is looking for a co-production partner. It already gives us more incentive to add something to it um, because we just can't add the whole budget, right? Or even sometimes 50% of the budget if the budget's too big. Um, so if you take the shows that we've already done as an example, like Search It Up or Marvelous Makes, you know, 20 by two minute episodes, and you get an idea of what the budgets for those might be, you can imagine, while we did fully finance those, if it is bigger than that, you can imagine what we might be able to contribute if it's something we really want, and therefore we need the extra support to carry it you know, further forward. Um, but there's an incentive if somebody comes to us and says, this is a great idea, and if you don't mind sharing it with someone, we might say, yeah. Um, yeah, so most of our, actually all of our shows so far have been fully funded. Um, but we are open to different models and um, 
obviously if we want to do something a bit bigger, which we do eventually, then it'll be hard to do on our own. So we would we would look to find someone else as well to get involved. I think there's a question right there. <laughs> hey, it's Carrie from Finger Industries. So we do short form content animation generally. Um, there's no set standard anymore with length. <laughs> have you guys, you know, have you got blocks that you're looking to fill? You mentioned two minutes, Luca. You know, is there any preference on that? Because when we're sort of looking at new development, you know, often we're trying to find, you know, we'll get a script or a pilot or a teaser. We've got to have some idea in our heads as to kind of, you know, what this is going to look like as a as a as an episode and series, etc. Have you got any sort of preferences on what you're looking at at the minute with editorial blocks or anything we should be aware of with that? Well, because we don't work like a linear channel, I've never, you know, I never really think of it as editorial blocks, but, you know, off the top of my head, if I am looking, if I am comparing TV shows to digital format content, it sort of falls under five minutes, you know, between five and 11, and then you start getting into the half hours. But even if we get things that are 13, 15 minutes long, as long as it's quality content and, um, you know, it fulfills, if it fills an area that we find is missing, then it's, it can be a good fit. Short form has, has done a bit better for us just because I think kids are going to find their long, longer format TV shows elsewhere because look at all the great stuff there is around me. Um, but we're still open to you know, full, fuller length shows. It's not, we're not gonna discriminate. But yeah. I've got a slightly different answer to that in that for me, it really doesn't matter. But if you want to sell it internationally, then it probably does matter more. Um, because if you're selling or distributing a show that we take, then you're probably also selling it to um, linear TV channels and broadcasters mm -hmm. who do need a specific episode length. All I would say is that in terms of the volume, that's what's changed a lot. Um, and the best shows, well, it's slightly ridiculous that we're still working in blocks of 13. I mean, the re only reason we're doing that is because it used to be, you know, 52 weeks in a year, one episode of a week, and so blocks of 13. Um, that really doesn't matter anymore. I need blocks of five because I have five tiles across our UI. Um, I have four. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's going to be different depending on what platform. But the other thing is to, you know, a really successful show is going to be one that has a great... Um, depth of different types of content. So if you've got a great drama show, for example, coming from um, Disney Channel or Nickelodeon, they will, you know, we now need, we need the short form, we need the character intros, we need the digital extras, we need all of that stuff to make kids really jump in and totally get immersed in a new world. And, you know, kids just eat it up. They love the short form alongside the longer form. So a mixed bag is probably best but if you are thinking international then you probably do need to talk think about the the length and shorts work brilliantly for on demand but might not work quite so well for a linear channel so yeah. that doesn't help at all does it <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah i i again ditto everything um but i think for me it, again it's not two minutes is that is the minimum without a doubt two minutes um and as long as your story arcs or whatever your point is that you're trying to get across is constructed, you know, there's stuff you already know. But I think for me, it's a volume when mm -hmm. it comes to the shorter episodes. So, 
you know, launching with, you know, three episodes of two minutes, you're not going to get the traction and the stickiness. So for me, it's less about the duration when it comes to digital, the shorter digital content than it is about the length of the actual asset. So it's more about, I'm not saying 150 mm. of them, but you definitely need that consumption of a minimum of 10 for a kid to get stuck into. And then if it does get stuck into, yeah. be ready to get going again very quickly. Exactly, the pipeline, I think. If, you've, yeah. if you come up with something that gets a short order, you need to be thinking if it hits, then go, that go, go. request for volume is really gonna come quickly. You also might make a conscious choice not to go for linear channels, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So if that's if if it's just not part of your strategy, then you know, and you're just going for VOD, yeah, you know, then you you also factor that into the cost and everything else, and that's what you know, there's incentive as well not to go for linear. Are there any other questions? Uh, I think there's one, the same row. Hi, uh, this is Stuart from Pillow Fort. Uh, um, thanks, Lucy, for the shout out. Good plug. <laughs> um, my question is actually for Luca. Yep. Um, going back to your games, uh, how you mentioned talking about the games, uh, a couple of questions. With the games, are they usually like standalone, not not tied to any other IP outside the game itself, or are they, or they sort of do you like to cross promote to your other anime, like um, video content as well, and also what? do you classify as a multi-layered game? Because you said that they were hard to find, but yeah. I don't really know what that is. Um, so on the first question, I would say that one of, our, one of my biggest gripes when I go for acquisitions of video is then chasing down the web or HTML5 games that are connected to that IP seems like the most difficult thing in the world because a lot of providers um, have distribution of the TV show or of you know, the digital show in general, and then they have no idea where the game is. Either that or they're licensing out the IP rights to other studios or to channels to go and develop the games themselves. So we would like to have more cross-promotion between video and, and uh, games. It's just been really difficult. In addition, most of the games that we acquire are for global licenses. Um, and a lot of providers are still working on the antiquated model of just giving you a small territory for a game. And that's just massively frustrating because you know, everything else I have is global. And the thing about games is also the every time there's an operating system change, yeah. it throws the code of the game out. Yeah. Unlike a piece of video content that sits on your platform in a lovely stable way and never changes, <laughs> games do. And that's really difficult for, a, um, you know, distributors and producers, large and small, to keep pace with all of that technological change. I mean, I don't, you must find the same thing. It is, integration is always is a technical hurdle, yeah. but I, I would start saying to producers and studios to really consider um, more production of games because if you really think you have a great brand and you think it's something that you're gonna create multiple seasons of or multiple you know, versions of a series, you have those gaps in between season one and season two where you have to keep the brand fresh in people's mind. In the same way, movies are always searching for, you know, what do you do between X-Men 35 and X-Men 36? <laughs> um, you know, games are a great, a great way, especially with kids in the kids space, to sort of keep that brand fresh. Um, and the thing about it, even the, even the way casual and instant games are right now, or web games, the longevity of them, even though the, the technology is changing, doesn't tend to be more than two years maybe less. Um, so as far as answering the multi-layered game question, you know, there are a lot of instant casual games that are just very one-dimensional or three levels. Um, we find games that have power-ups or have 
other kinds of reward systems or you know, all kinds of incentives to, keep, to get a kid back, not that we want them to be addicted, because that's awful, right? Because <laughs> we're not addicted to all of our devices at all. <laughs> um, you know, things that are, have a bit of stickiness is what I consider a, a more multi-layered game. And there are simple ways of doing that in a game mechanic that don't have to be super complicated, but are quite effective. Thank you. Did anyone else want to answer about games? I know uh, Hopster has quite a few games. Alan, did you want to comment on that at all? Um, <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, games are games are great for us. They do they they're about half of our um, our, our users use our games about as much as they view our video content. Um, and so, yeah, we're the only problem we have with games is that because of the way they're designed, um, it's hard for us to bring in games from outside. Um, and so we have to create them in-house. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it, we, we have half-branded games from our partner channels. Um, who knew that SpongeBob Chess could be so <laughs> so compelling, but I'm very glad hey, that I've it is. I played that, actually. <laughs> it's very good, isn't it? Um, but it's also, um, you know, we, we do commission our own for exactly that reason, for the platform stability, for the multi-layering and also just to you know we have really an amazing industry of games companies um in this country as well as um internationally coming up with fantastic um sticky compelling games um so you know we work with a lot of them in the uk and we'll continue to do that same balancing act of taking great partner games but also commissioning our own okay I think that's actually all the time we have. Uh, so the speed meetings, which some of our panelists uh, or the representatives are attending, will take place in the workstation at 5 p.m. Um, make sure to check in at the registration desk on the ground floor. It's a first come, first serve system. There's no advanced booking. Um, and please clear the room quickly so that they can set up for the next section session, which will be the art of animation, and that's at 5 p.m. Get up. Thank you, everyone.